All right, here we are. Common Sense Ohio. It is time for your weekly dose of common sense. If you're not getting it anywhere else, if you're not getting it at work, if you're not getting it at home because you think your kids are crazy or your spouse is crazy, or maybe you just live alone and you're crazy, uh, you can get it right here at commonsenseohioshow.com. Uh, last couple of weeks, we've had some guests. And, and by the way, it is June 9th, 2023. I usually start with that. But uh, June 9th, 2023, we're still uh, coming at you weekly with our dose of common sense. And uh, we're going to get right at it because there's lots of news going on. The last couple of weeks, we've been uh, uh, entertaining guests. I think good guests, too. I mean, if you, if, if you haven't done so yet, go back into our, our log. You can get that at commonsenseohioshow.com. You can get it on Spotify or Apple, iTunes, or wherever else you would get uh, your podcasts. Uh, And we would urge you to uh, subscribe and share, like it, tell your neighbor about it. We've got people coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, yeah, I know that show. I mean, that's you guys. I was like, yeah, that's us. Uh, So we're getting some traction. So uh, anything you can do to help out would be great. Norm is back in the studio. He's been on a uh, a little uh, round-the-country hiatus. Brett is on his own around the country hiatus. So it's just the two of us here in the studio. Brett will not be joining us. uh, So his dose of common sense will have to wait a week. Yeah. And Brett really does bring the common sense to the show. Well, he (laughs) He definitely keeps us in check. Yeah. He is, uh, if you will, the most quote, normal unquote person uh, on the crew here. Uh, If you don't mind, I, I just want to say that discussion with Paul last week was Fabulous. Well, yeah, Paul Scarcella last week talking about death penalty issues and uh, off the hook. Really, really, really stimulating. I did want to. Uh, so during the show, a couple of things were said. Nothing wrong. Nothing to correct. Uh, but it would have introduced. Had I jumped in there with a sidebar, it would have detracted from that show. I just very briefly want to address some things were said about you know different venues and how the outcomes would be different in different, even in different parts of Ohio. Uh, For example, say Cincinnati. Well, Cincinnati is an interesting city. It's, it's the headquarters of the right to life movement. And yet at the same time, it does tend to be uh, pretty tough vis-a-vis at least, you know, back when the death penalty was being um, given it, it was one of the hotter spots and not implied, I don't think anybody meant it this way. I took it that way, being a Cincinnatian. But something was said about the propensity for the death penalty in that area and uh, intimations that maybe it was a harsher climate. I just want to point out maybe a different way to look at it. I think people in Cincinnati or people that tend to use a death penalty. I'm wearing a Texas t-shirt today. So for example, I don't think those people are meaner people or, or they uh, more vengeful people. I really don't think that's it. I think there tends to be a bit of um, sanctity of life philosophy in those areas and protection of innocence in those areas. And that's why the right to life movement, I believe was, you know, started and, and largely very active in Cincinnati, even nationally right to life is, is the protection of innocence. And I think a lot of people, a lot of very conservative people, it's not that they hate criminals. It's not that they hate the criminality, but they don't hate the criminals. 
And and I'm like that. I love everybody, but yet I would put down a mangy dog that I love. Okay. It's not hate of the criminal. It's protection of the innocence. And I believe that at least I do. And I know we debated this aspect and I may be wrong, but I think the reason uh, for those very conservative areas to use the death penalty is they believe it is a deterrent. They believe also that it might be justice and that it might, it certainly does deter that particular person from ever committing a murder again. But it may also be instructive to would be murderers that, hey, you're going to hang, you're going to get shot, you're going to get, you know, uh, chemically um, put to death. So I just wanted to put that out there. I didn't want to create a big thing when Paul was on the show because we were going down a different path. And I don't feel like I'm defending Cincinnati. I just wanted to explain what I think the cultural difference might be, Steve. Well, as you might guess, I'm a, I'm a fan of Jordan Peterson. I would be very curious to hear his take on this, uh, of the kind of psychological profile of folks um, yes. who yes. Um, are in favor of the death penalty versus those who are not. Because I tend to be very empathetic, believe it or not, in my in my world. You know, I, I And maybe that's drawn me to this business of what I do is defending people charged with crimes. And again, I don't like the crime, but I've often found that people who commit the crime are actually good people. You know, there, there's, there's very few people are all good and very few people are all bad. There, I have encountered very few true psychopaths in my career as defending and representing folks. Uh, in the criminal defense arena. So it, it, I agree with you. Here's what I, what I took away from that discussion was that I have a lot more thinking to do about it, that there's so many different angles and nuances to to uh, look at look at the problem and look at the, the death penalty, generally speaking, how it's implemented, whether it should be implemented, and in what situations it should be, that it's almost impossible to remain consistent in my views on it, and it's almost impossible to... To really, th- if you think that you have it all figured out, go have a discussion with somebody like Paul or us at the table. Not that we have wisdom, but we brought different ideas to it, and then quickly it got scrambled up again. So there, yeah, there, there's yeah. A, there's a lot to be said, and and that's why I think uh, this is a virtue of doing a show like this is that with common sense and without uh, shutting down adverse views, we can air th- air stuff out. And it really got me thinking. And, I, and like I said, I'd love I'd love to hear the psychology of it. And I don't look badly on Cincinnatians just because they. Uh, support the death penalty more than others. I don't even know that's true, but if if that is true, I wouldn't look bad at Cincinnatians. I mean, for other reasons, I might. But yeah, <laughs> just I can't. mean, certainly the prosecutors down there uh, seek the death penalty more often. They than, have traditionally, yeah, it seems. Yeah, yeah. 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 But at any rate, let's talk about Cincinnati real quick. Because there's a story you and I were kicking around yeah. before we got in the air. Another sure. quick story. Uh, there is a gal, uh, Olivia. Do you, have, you wrote her name down? Yeah, Olivia Krolchek, uh, a, a student at the University of Cincinnati, um, having a very similar uh, kind of case to others around the country where, you know, certain, I guess they call this, uh, you know, gender shaming or or naming or, you know, there's some kind of a, a word for this offense. And she used the term biological female in a paper proposal and received a zero grade, an F, if you will, from her professor uh, who just rejected that term as somehow, um, you know, unwarranted. Uh, uh, offensive, a, a bigotry. Hate, hateful. Yeah, hateful. Yeah, it was right. hate speech. It was bigotry. And what's interesting to me is this. 
Uh, first of all, go Google it. She's she's given a couple interviews now, and we watched one here this morning, and it was on Outkick. Yeah, and and she's a very genuine. She just looks like the quintessential sophomore in college. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and you know, innocent. In other words, not right. no agenda, no. Uh, nothing, just learning. She wanted to write a paper, I believe. Uh, it, it her explanation when to write a paper about the uh, merits of biological men is swimming in particular her sport or her well, focus college sports yeah. college swimming against biological females i i don't know how else she could have discussed it without using those terms right if she's going to take the position that we need to protect biological women from the infiltration of biological men into their sports arena in college under title nine yeah the only way to do that is to come up with language that distinguishes between the two groups that she's referencing. Exactly. Right. You know, so there's no way to have this conversation logically without doing, without using that kind of language. But even more interesting to me is that she was in a women's studies class and, you know, traditionally those would have been sort of the liberal classes of, you know, and I got no problem with those classes. Go study women all you want. It doesn't make a difference to me. These are, I think these are very interesting issues. I think you can say, Steve, you and I have studied women quite thoroughly. I I have. I married, (laughs) I married one and you know, they're, they're awesome. But if, uh, I mean, I I mean that in the most sincere way too, is Mm -hmm. that I, I almost the biblical way is I I do feel like that completes me as a man to have a good woman, you know, it just is, uh, or a compatible woman maybe is the, is the thing to say. So, um, but back to the point, it's like, it, you start drawing these intersexual lines between group identities, and it is, an, is a, it is a nauseating ad infinitum project. It has no end. There's no bottom to that because, first of all, it's women, and now it's not just women. It's men who are dressed up like women and think they're women, but they're not really women. They're pretending. And then if it was a man dressed up as a woman who uh, thinks he's a woman but he's not a woman but happens to be black or happens to be Asian or happens to be a different uh, – uh, uh, nationality. Well, that might be another intersexual line. So there is no logic to it. it it's a, sure. it's a, it, it's a logical fallacy from the outset. Well, it, Steve, in the metaverse, you know, that's coming, yep, right. Yep. You know, when we all get to be whatever we want, we can be whatever we want. I, I can be the old Japanese uh, woman that I really want to be in the metaverse. I mean, you know, I mean, that's so ridiculous. Well, in, it's so off the hook that, so if we're allowing people to do that in the real physical world, uh, another UC student, Dylan Mulvaney, and his Bud Light catastrophe. Who's, who's now went from liking men, yeah. being gay. Yes. Now he likes women. Sure. But he's a man. Yes. Or, but he's a woman. Right. And so now he's a she, likes women. So I suppose that makes him a lesbian. Right. Trapped in a man's body. Trapped in a man's body. Which is what we are. But he's really, (laughs) on some level, but he's really a man. But we don't dress up as one. It just shows. And and I think, you know, what, as as an attorney, we were talking, just sort of like with the death, it's not that I don't have empathy for people. It's like, and you say you love everybody, and I try to. Um, But it's impossible to draw legal lines of distinction unless you use specific language to describe what you're doing. You know, yeah. everything in life is a discrimination. Right. Everything. If I choose a blue pen instead of a black pen, I'm discriminating against black pens. Now, it doesn't matter because who cares? But now if I choose a choose to hire a white dude instead of a black dude or a black dude instead of a white dude, I'm making a discriminatory choice and it might be improper based on my motives. It might be proper if it just happens to be a black and white, but I choose for a different reason, like experience. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what we have is like if, if you start to blur the language that describes these things, then you immediately are blurring the law. And this will get me into a new, another 
uh, topic about uh, some legal standards because there was a, a you know the story and um, before you go there, Steve, yep. if, uh, will you hold that thought? Hold it. Okay. Held. Held. <laughs> Held. Holded. Before we finish up on this uh, UC case, don't you find it highly, uh, highly confusing that the most recent justice to be added to the Supreme Court in her confirmation hearings said that the reason she couldn't define what a woman is is because she's not a biologist. She used that word biologist. Mm-hmm. And yet this young lady at UC used the word biological. So she's using the same language yeah. as the newest justice on the Supreme Court. And yet she gets rejected. Yep. But we're supposed to accept the answer that it is a biological um, determination per the Supreme Court justice. So this young lady is is just using the same logic. And yet uh, she can't be woke enough for her professor to accept her. Now, the good news is Olivia challenges. I mean, she she did not back down. And I assume she had some help of her family and, yeah. and, and some supporters around her. Yeah. But she didn't back down. And she no. went back to the school. She appealed this decision. Another professor graded her paper, and which I believe is 50% of her grade. And I don't know what the grade on the paper was, but the overall grade in the class ended up being an A. Yeah. So it went she from was a wearing, zero. She was wearing a shirt in that interview on Outkick that said, don't back down. Don't back down. So <laughs> either she loves Tom Petty. <laughs> yes, right. Or uh, she doesn't want to back down. And I think it's, it's very telling. So this is one of these things that I think is important for our culture here in Ohio and everywhere is that if you believe in something like this, you know, don't back down, you know, no. t- make a stand. It's, if it's not right, it's not right. Yeah. And, you know, just like we had people protesting, uh, actual racist discrimination, uh, back in the sixties and in seventies and even back uh, following Jim Crow, it's like, you know, it, they didn't back down No, and, uh, we don't expect people to back down. So now the other side's not going to back down. They're going to shout you down and say, why do you care? Why oh, do you yeah. care if I use these use these blurry words? Why do you care? Because they become common and accepted practice. And next thing you know, you've degraded the standards to zero. And we have no basis of common ground, no basis to communicate, no basis to actually make past laws that are enforceable. And that's that's sort of the problem here. And you know, back to the Supreme Court. Uh, I believe a federal judge, a Trump appointed judge, out of was this uh, Tennessee? There was a there was a law passed on. Um, on, um, I just drew a blank, I think on transition surgeries. So uh, cutting off parts or doing this or doing that, I think it was something along those lines. And it was a Trump appointee judge that struck down the law as being void, uh, and unconstitutional. And, you know, I'm going to do, I mean, I think I'm going to, in my lawyer talk, going to do a breakdown on this because it's important. I, I hear some conservatives sort of up in arms about this, like how could they possibly permit this? But I, I, you know, conservative to me doesn't mean, uh, choosing, uh, a side that you like and riding that all the way to the end. I have to choose what we're conserving, which is a constitutional foundation for our government. And if we're going to pass laws, they have to be specific enough that they can be enforced uh, with regularity so we can rely on what the law says to conform our conduct to the law. Along, along with that, Steve, um, so it may bring up a different set of issues, but it is at the state level, like you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, a lot of courts... I, a lot, maybe I should say a handful of cases, but they're very important cases. But there are various state cases also where the Dobbs decision 
okay, Mm -hmm. has sent the, the topic of abortion back to the states and said it's a state issue for each of the 50 laboratory states to figure out what they want to do and set their own policies. So a number of states have put in uh, various restrictions like Ohio's uh, heartbeat bill, for example. And a lot of these state um, statutes have have been suspended by various state courts. So that's becoming a thing. The Supreme Court sends the issue back to the states. The states follow through on Dobbs and go ahead and start regulating abortion. And now the state courts are stepping in and wanting to stop those regulations. So uh, the, the question is why? Now, this was a yeah. federal case I'm talking about. Oh, what, you're the Tennessee? I, I think it was Tennessee. Was it, it district it might court? Have been, it might have been uh, Mississippi. I can't remember. I should okay. have done my homework. No, that's you, you okay. know what brought me to this was the, was the blurry language that uh, you brought up. And it made me think that we have, when you blur the language, you get vague laws. And vague laws are unenforceable and they're unconstitutional. And I'm bringing this particular situation up to make the point that it doesn't matter if it's a cause that you believe in. It doesn't matter if it's a cause that you don't believe in. Yeah. If if the General Assembly or the legislative branch of government at the state level or the federal level yeah. writes a law and it is not specific enough to delineate between the people that it covers or the conduct that it prohibits or permits, then it becomes vague. And it doesn't matter if it's trying to do something that you agree with. It doesn't matter if it's trying to do something that you disagree with. I agree that the Supreme Court itself has been terribly vague on on a few of their cases. You know, for example, that uh, Colorado, I think it is, or maybe Seattle, the the famous uh, cake decorator, right? That's now gone to the Supreme Court twice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's off the hook. It's like, why won't they say why won't they come out and instruct the lower courts in very clear language that that is just against the First Amendment, that you cannot tell people that they have to these artistic lines. And that that, that leaves room for interpretation. That's right. But that's still a little bit different than what I'm talking about. So the U.S. Supreme Court's job is to pronounce constitutionality. And what they're what they're supposed to do in theory is, is sort of like this notion that. They should rule on the most narrowly tailored issue they can. You know, they don't want to make it too broad. They want to rule on the issue. Right. At the same time, you get too narrow, it becomes a fact-specific debate. That's right. So it, now, the, what I'm talking about is when the when the legislative branch of government passes a law, you are not permitted to do X, Y, or Z. If you don't define who you is, in other words, a class of people that you're focusing on, it doesn't have to be identity like we're talking about, but people driving, for instance, can't yeah. do this. Yes. Um You've got to define who it applies to, what the conduct is. And if you're vague about it, if you use language that leaves too much room for interpretation or say it can be enforced against people doing lawful things, constitutionally permitted things, then it becomes an unconstitutional law. And it doesn't matter if it's doing something you agree with. It doesn't matter if it's doing something you disagree with. So the conservatives who are up in arms about this, I don't think the court was saying, I disagree with the policy that you're trying to uh, promote. I think what the court was saying is, Roll up your sleeves, General Assembly, legislative branch of government, go back and redraft this law in a way that passes constitutional muster. I got you. Better drafting. This is important for everybody. You can't just, if you're going to make law, you have to make it very specific. And and this is where we're going to fantail back to Olivia. She was using specific language to define what she was talking about. The professor said... That you can't do that. That's hateful. Right. That's hateful. You can't use that language. And if you can't use that language, you start using these weird pronouns like they when there's only one person. And you you, you can't build a society 
on that quicksand. You can't so, do it. So if Norm Murdoch was that professor, and I had, let's say, a racist student that wanted to write uh, about how uh, there shouldn't be any subhumans and, and, that, and that he wants to write an essay or she wants to write an essay that's very Nazi-esque, I would not reject the subject matter of that paper. I would let, very, very Socratically, right, like Socrates, I would let that student go ahead and uh, be hoist on his or her own petard. Go ahead and write your racist essay. I'll grade the essay based on the logic contained therein, and I'll blow it up. I'll, I'll teach that student something. That's what this professor had an opportunity to do. If she, if she holds the view that using the term biological female is hateful, she should have let Olivia go ahead and write the paper and then grade the paper and return to her with some comments that would allow an open and educational debate between the professor and the student. That's what a university should be. It's exactly what it should be. It should be an open platform because if I allow my racist Nazi student to write his essay, the little Hitler to write his little essay, and then I grade it and I blow it up, I'm helping that young man or woman. I'm, 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 I am, this is, this is why we have a first amendment. The idea is it is a disinfectant when you allow people to say whatever they want to say and then you respond to it. That's the whole, that's how people learn. That's how you put down racism and put down hate is by discussing it, exposing it. And you, you don't suppress it. it. You don't suppress it. I, I you know, there's it's a, there's an interesting concept called the Overton window where, you know, certain things should just be. Uh, so taboo that you can't talk about them. And I don't know, you know, I don't want to go into a debate about what those things are or whether that's an appropriate uh, thing. But at the university level, this kind of debate should be happening. Absolutely. You you should not punish a student for coming forward with this idea. In fact, what it reflects upon, what it reflects to me is a completely uh, inept professor. Right. And if she were here, I'd tell her to her face, if you're afraid of this argument. That's right. That's right. Then you shouldn't be teaching anything. Yeah. Because if you, because that's really the only rational explanation is you're, you can't logically respond to this argument. So therefore you're going to shut it down um, based upon irrelevant factors. Right. And oh, you, this is hate language. So you got an F. She, the professor did nothing to grade this student on the merits of her ability to put together a syllogistic argument, meaning right. a logical flow. That's right. A, like in college, that's what it should be. You should be teaching kids how to put on paper a logical flow of thought. Right. Because if you can do that, then you can think. And exactly. If, and right. if you can think, you can talk. And if you can talk, you can write. You know, it's like you yeah. should be teaching this, not discouraging it. A hundred percent. And, you the know, topics are relevant, in other words, in, yeah, in large part. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and, and that's, you know, that was for me when I went to college and, and there was a little bit of this woke stuff back then, of course, you know, and, and people would, you know, it, we call like, it politically correctness back, then, well, back in those days. Well, yeah. like when I was in college, there were a lot of, uh, you know, uh, the, the recruiting people on campus from the military, for example, some of the campuses were just then starting to say, no, we don't want the Marines and the Navy and the Army here on on campus and, and that kind of thing. 
But there was no problem debating that. You were allowed to talk about it. If sure. There wasn't a considered like safe spaces where nobody could bring up a subject because it would bother somebody. We it, it, back when I was in college, it was OK to bother people. Right. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, gosh, the very the, the last thing you can do is melt a snowflake by bringing up a topic that that will just crush and collapse their worldview. Yeah. Challenge my ideas. That's hate speech. No, 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 no. That, no the not college the should same, be right? an open forum. And there's a case if, if we're going to get into First Amendment law and it, this, this applies to public schools, folks, not private schools. But there's a case called Tinker versus Des Moines Independent School District. And old Tinker was a, was a kid in high school, I think who wore a black armband, I believe, to protest the Vietnam War. He was punished for it. And the case meanders its way all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And there's a famous quote is that students don't check their First Amendment rights at the door when they enter a public school. Uh, I probably butcher the quote, but you get the gist. Yeah, right. Um, And, and, you know, that was interesting because, you know, that would have been on the left, so to speak, at the time, fighting or protesting the um, Vietnam War. The same is true on the right. You should be able to come in and and, uh, wear... Uh, an armband in favor of the war or in favor of... There's that case in Texas uh, that you might remember. You know, it's a blip on the radar screen with today's culture, but there was a young man who wore an American flag shirt and it didn't say America, love it or leave it or anything. You know, it was just a flag. Just a flag. Just a flag. And he wore it on Cinco de Mayo Day in Mexico, in in, uh, Texas. And they call that hate speech or something. Yeah, hate speech or something. Now, Cinco de Mayo commemorates a a victory of Mexico over France. It doesn't even have anything to do with it. nothing. Nothing. I mean, and it's a stupid holiday anyway. They don't even they don't celebrate it down. You know, no, it's, it's, an, it's, occasion. A, it's an occasion to sell beer. It's a yeah, or have a mojito with your with your burrito at your your favorite yeah. uh, Mexican restaurant. Fine, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So it, the the principal, the superintendent, told the kid, "Go home. You're out of school. Come back. No no American T-shirt in school." Yeah. And, you know, like what what are you talking about? Well, it, it's utter insanity, and and this is where. You know, to some extent, uh, you know, Marx would say a capitalistic society contains the seeds of its own destruction. And, you know, to some extent, there's there's a little bit of truth, probably not for the right reasons that he's or not for the same reasons yeah, he, right. was, he was advocating. Right. But, you know, if you have a completely open and free society that permits uh, viewpoints that are contrary to your own government, then that can take over. You know, that yeah. that can take over. And that's happened in a lot of ways, I think, in our country. So it's become racist. It's become hateful. It's become uh, unpopular to love the country and wear an American flag. Now I get it. This student may have been trying to send a different message. Like, look, it's a stupid holiday. I'm going to wear my American flag shirt. So na 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 na. Well, who cares? He's still allowed to say it. Exactly. He's still allowed to say right. it. Right. Sure. You're, you're allowed to cut against the grain. That's what makes our country. Well, great. there there were kids in his school. So part of the explanation were that there were kids in his school wearing uh, the, 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 that Mexico should repatriate. Areas of the United States that that they, that you know, like California, New Mexico, Arizona, that were part of Mexico. So kids are wearing shirts that advocate, you know, a greater Mexico and a return of those territories. Yeah, that to, would be great. Yeah, but you can wear that shirt. Yeah, have at it. Wear it. I mean, it's a stupid message, but it's okay. They can wear that shirt. I wouldn't stop them from wearing no, that shirt. No, they In can. Fact, w- <laughs> I would debate them, and I would say you're freaking idiots. But <laughs> yes, on the I, other hand, yeah, right. Uh, you know, because yeah, you're doing a hell of a job keeping things straight down there. Right? Yeah, because. Because I am not stamping out anybody's right to wear whatever the heck they want to wear. And in Mexico, they would. Yeah, right. right. Oh, 100%. Right. I, I was down there with the with the federales yeah, carrying yeah. Uh, 
I think I don't know if they're fully automatic weapons. Certainly. Uh, oh yeah, they are. Certainly a semi-automatic AR-15 style military Absolutely. weapons. Absolutely. Yeah. On every street corner. Yeah. Wearing like band, wearing like face coverings. I mean, I mean, it was like the fascist police down there, man. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They well, that's freedom, all right. Yeah. They're. It, their gang uh, situate well the you know the cartels down there, and and their uh, intermarriage with the government itself is highly confusing and schizophrenic. You you have you have people that are being assassinated. You know, like I I think Nogales across from El Paso, that particular city, the police chief typically doesn't last more than maybe six months to a year. Yeah. Before they're assassinated, they, they can't even find anybody to do the job now. It's like the argument they used to make about the mob. Oh, this town was better when the mob ran it out in Vegas. Yeah, except for the people who were murdered and buried in the desert, and yeah. for, except for all the all the theft that was going on, all the grift that was going on, right. all the shakedown money and protection money, and and the the innocent people or the innocent shop owners who had to go pay. It's like, sure. yeah, I mean, so you're looking at like the tip of the spear and saying, well, it was safe at least. Well, so is Nazi Germany, unless sure. you're a Jew. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, right? right. Yeah. You know, so is Nazi Germany because they put jackboots on the ground and prevented all crime. Awesome. Yeah. The trains ran on time. Yeah. Except you didn't have any freedom at all. And if you were a Jew, you were exterminated. And right. by exterminated, we mean killed. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And, and after, after like, gross medical testing so it's and like, another six million people of various other defects you know born with um, either physical or mental right. defects old people catholics yeah, this is the old margaret sanger yeah stuff in here and if you didn't think it could happen in the united states go read buck versus bell a u.s supreme court case i think that was the one that one one generation of imbeciles is enough says our supreme court yeah on the heels of that kind of uh, ideology so yeah terrible um, all right let's let's move on yeah Trump, the the uh so I heard I heard Doctor Arn of uh, uh, of the guys up at uh, Michigan in, at, at that uh, university uh, in in Michigan. I, I heard him talking Hill, uh, Hillsdale. Hillsdale. Yeah, Hillsdale. I heard him speaking, uh, and he talked about and th- this was an excellent way to look at it that we have exchanged dictatorship in America for what we call the expert class, and that's really where like Fauci and Dr. Collins, Francis Collins, and these kinds of people uh, basically became our oppressors during COVID. And we, we have this tendency now to view, you know, we pick a scientist, the scientists, you know, the viewpoint of those scientists then becomes adopted by the, uh, the, the, the deep state and they run with it. And I, we've got these fires that are sending soot down here in Ohio right now, that fires in Quebec. I'm, I'm stuffed up from it. Yeah. It's it's in our air. Like, around here, yeah. my oh, buddy came in from Dayton. He goes, you don't know. He goes, man, I don't know. It's a thing. He yeah. was all stuffed. He goes, it must be from that Canada thing. I was like, what are you talking about? Because I, I was in yeah. the middle of work, and I didn't see the news. Well, there's yeah. Canada fire. It's like it's happening here in Ohio. Oh, for sure. And In fact, I got out of the shower this morning. And, you know, when when your system is clean and that first breath of uh, air in your house, I smelled smoke in the house. Mm. I'm like, you know, yeah, it's 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 penetrating, you know, our air in and out of buildings. Well, this uh, I I, Professor Arn is phenomenal. He's phenomenal. But where I'm going with this is his latest observation that, you know, everything is global warming. Everything is right when it's cold. When it's raining, when it's not raining, when it's hot, 
whatever it is, whatever the weather is or whatever condition is going on. So, okay, some trees are on fire up in Quebec, and it's largely due to mismanagement. It's of, always forestry mismanagement. It's mismanagement. Right. Yeah. The, the trees, Not always, but often it is. In Quebec, they, they have, they have uh, eliminated a scientific management of their forests. They won't allow logging the way that uh, timber companies would have trees of various ages so that when a fire starts, there's areas of young trees where the fire will naturally cease yeah. because there's no material to burn. That's right. You just have little tiny saplings and they're not, you know, well, there's not enough fuel they, there. They, they leave aside, like it, it, the incongruity of their thought process on this is what's really, really telling. So they would say logging is bad. You shouldn't be cutting down these trees. Right. It's horrible. Right, right. So, but our, our natural, I think the natural consequence of that is that it, we ha- the the new has to replace the old at some point, and mm-hmm. I think the earth naturally, God's creation naturally, will do that, and it's called a fire. So there'll be a forest fire that will right. sort of clear out a forest, and then another one will replace it. It'll right. grow back. Right, and exactly. Now, so what we're really saying is, we it, 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 that's bad for us as humans, right? So what we have done is like we we started logging things and building houses and and, and eliminating some of the forest and maybe too much of the forest. But it's, it's got to be done at some level. Otherwise, you create a situation where forest fires are going to occur, right. even naturally. And it's and not it ha- global warming. It, it has nothing to do with global right. warming. It's it just, ridiculous. It's and and his, Michael Crichton was the author, wrote Jurassic Park and some other stuff. But he had this, he wrote a book, I forget which one it was. But he had, the point he was making is like, look, we're not destroying the planet. We're destroying our own habitability in the planet, if, right. if, if anything. Right. And if you think you can control this earth that's been around for all these uh, for all this time, right. you're crazy. It'll survive long after we kill ourselves. And you know what we need to do is market solutions. Look at the bigger picture, right? Yeah. A market a market solution to forestry is let people who own that land, right, exploit it in a smart. They're going. They would not denude. You know, a logging company doesn't denude the land and just walk away. That land is still valuable if they replant. Yeah, if they replant, and you could even have some regulation that requires that. I might argue, I'd have to dig into the, the, some well, of that, and, and we could debate it. But, you know, it's, the, the greatest, the greatest, it's a renewable resource. The greatest renewer, if you will, if I can make up a word, the, the greatest renewer of forests in the universe is the Weyerhaeuser Corporation. They are, they are, they are world famous for their conservation of a natural resource. That makes them money. There mm. is a market solution to this. So two things could be true. There could be a market incentive for it, and it could be good. That's right. So yeah. they right. they build their forests, if you will, in a natural way so that the forest itself will put out the fire. Yeah. After, it'll burn a, a, a while, and then it'll hit a spot where there's no more fuel, yep. and it'll, it, the, the fire will go out. Yep. No, totally agree. Because they own that wood. They don't want the wood to burn up. They're selling the wood. It's a crop to them. It's, and if you look at all these things in a vacuum and pick one single cause, inevitably, there's going to be adverse unintended consequences. And that's what this is about. And and like you said, these busybody sort of uh, elitists, it reminded me of a quote, my, one of my, my favorite, perhaps my favorite modern thinker is a guy named C.S. Lewis. He wrote The Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe, but he was also a great Christian thinker. He was converted to Christianity after being at Oxford with, I think, Tolkien from um, yeah. Lord of the Rings. 
Screw and, tape letters. And he, he wrote the screw tape letters. He wrote a book called Mere Christianity, which was based upon a series of lectures he gave during the Blitz in World War II in London. But, uh, you, you know, here's his quote, and it's a bit long, so bear with me. Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. And that's what you're talking about. These yeah. jackasses think they're smarter than everybody. Right. They think that they should have all the power because they know better and they're going to help us right. and they feel good about it. Yeah. But they're really morons. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, so the Surgeon General, the CDC, the NIH, what credibility do they have? Zero. Now? Zero with the American people. They shouldn't have any. I, to whatever credibility that people give them, yeah. I, I find it reprehensible. They need to do a mega mea culpa and just say, you know what, people? We were 100% wrong. Almost everything we said about COVID, you know, was wrong. And we oppressed you. We, you know, we, 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 we made you do all this ridiculous, very expensive stuff. Trump spent $3 trillion on ameliorating, you know, COVID. And then Biden came in and spent another $3 trillion. After it had been ameliorated. <laughs> You know, I'm now we're broke and we're debating who men and women are and we're so distracted. And yesterday, the the mainland Chinese communists flew into the airspace, the defensive airspace of Taiwan. Right. Mm -hmm. While while we're doing Trump gets indicted and all of this nonsense is going on in the United States, it is having international implications that are going to involve American sons and daughters in the military and maybe well, the civilians here and, and on, on, on the mainland, on, in the homeland, we may be looking at getting into a hot war, not only over in Ukraine, but also in Taiwan. Well, it, it, like, look what's going on in the world from an Ohio perspective, sort of, only because we're in Ohio. Yeah. But uh, you've got China, Taiwan. Yeah. We're about to have a second Cuban Missile Crisis. China is putting... Yeah. Um, spy right. cameras yep. and uh, surveillance equipment on Cuba in Cuba. Yeah. And the Pentagon is denying that. It's denying it, but, but it's happening. But it is happening. You've got basically Biden's uh, foreign policy with Ukraine is to let China deal with it. And, and sure. you know, it's like, because in a vacuum, I guess, look at it this way. Somebody told me this one time and I forget what the context was, but think of the news like a vacuum. If something is going to, it's going to be full of something. The news is going right. to fill that vacuum. You cannot just eliminate it all. Right. And the world is that way too, I think. If I we are not a superpower in the world, we being the United States of America, with all our warts, with all our historical flaws, with everything else, right. we're still better than everybody else. And you know, debate me until the cows come home and oh, we can yeah. talk about it. Oh, yeah. So it's like if we're not out there yeah. with a strong arm flexing, then the vacuum is going to be filled up with bad people. Example? the Chinese basically acting as the intermediary to uh, resolve a dispute between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Yeah. They just did that a, f a couple of months ago. And that should be our role. That, I mean, who went and did Desert Storm twice, right? Right. And, uh, uh, it should be our role. Unbelievable. And we have seeded the field. We've seeded the field. To the most evil empire. They are, they yeah. are really 
Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're they're harvesting human organs out of political prisoners. They're uh, they're, they're uh, oppressing Muslims and the Falun Gong. Uh, they're and we have college kids running around on yeah. campuses here wearing uh Mount Tong shirts. You yeah. know, it's like they're Maoist. Right. Well I'm not a, I'm not a yeah. I'm not a Stalinist, I'm a Maoist. Like, yeah, it's not like he killed a hundred million people, <laughs> except he did. Right. You know, it's like yeah. it's so insane. These yeah. these idiots and we're we're somehow like they're gonna do it better. Now they, we may not do it perfectly, yeah. but we're gonna do it better than regimes that, that commit genocide. They welded people's front doors shut. Welded, okay during COVID to keep them in their apartment buildings, the Chinese communist party went around with acetylene torches. I didn't know that. That's insane. And welded people's doors shut. And it's like, you can get your food through the mail slot, right? If you can figure it out, otherwise shrivel up and die. We don't care, but you're not going to give that COVID to some other Chinese citizen. Right. It just is uh, unbelievable. Utter insanity. Utter, utter insanity. So you're asking about some little, uh, some well, other get stories? Some nuggets, some quick little nuggets, and we'll wrap it up. Well, uh, the Cleveland Clinic is finding itself, you know, which it, Cleveland Clinic, it's like the Mayo Clinic. It's one of the, it's one of the superstars of, of uh, medicine. Uh, it, it, it's a center of excellence. I've been treated at the Cleveland Clinic. The Cleveland Clinic famously put that lady's face back on her after the uh, chimpanzee tore her face off. They are an amazing institution, uh, cutting edge technology, uh, tremendous procedure, uh, you know, for record keeping uh, of medical uh, record keeping and a leading a leading light in this country for, uh, you know, treatment of, of serious disease. At any rate, like, like a lot of places, like most places, in fact, um, hearkening back to the UC uh, thing that we opened the show with, they have a DEI, a diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, manager and policy. And they set out racial goals for hiring managers at the Cleveland Clinic, and I, and and they have to do with you know, uh, if you've not been to the Cleveland Clinic, it's on the poor side of town. It's surrounded by a ghetto. It's surrounded by uh, low-income uh, folks, you know, of both races, of all races, I should say. And uh, so, I don't know why you would, why you would attach race to who you're going to hire. For management, you know, it would seem to me, you know, just like firefighters or military or police officers, you hire the best people and you're blind to their gender. You're blind to their to their race. You hire on the basis of merit, of competency. (laughs) Isn't that what Martin Luther King Jr. was trying to teach us to be colorblind? Well, at any rate, the Cleveland Clinic, unfortunately, has these quota goals and they're not hitting them. And it, it, it's largely because the population that they, I think they have a 17% or an 18% target where they want a, a certain number of minorities of a particular race, I think blacks, uh, to be the 17 or 18%. And they haven't hit that target. 
and they're lamenting that and they're they're re you know calculating how to get there and all of that and it seems to me that that is taking away from their core mission and they're being criticized for that and i think rightly so that you know higher qualified african americans higher qualified minorities of of any size shape cultural difference fine you know but why would you have a number that you're trying to get to as some sort of uh as some sort of a goal that seems to well, me because it's it's so it's like back we, we talked about this this intersectionality slipperiness because at first now it's going to be we need certain races represented but now we're soon we're going to need like certain uh races plus genders certain races plus yeah. genders plus sexual affiliation yeah or sexual orientation now right. it's going to be race gender sexual affiliation and then what else you know what else do you have like right. oh i mean my grandfather was native american so we need a little bit of that sure. it's like these these quotas now on the other hand we don't have enough female armenian uh, f- uh okay. agricultural uh if you tran- have, trans people i mean so well, like imagine if we took all well, this like this the all this all these points of light and pointed them at like some of the true problems like yes. that, that, that's causing poverty or the true or in this case illness or discriminating against or not or, or discouraging uh so if you want more uh representation in the medical field what's discouraging why why isn't there more and is it that like look i don't want to be a doctor I never wanted to be a doctor. Right. I knew I'd be a terrible doctor because I couldn't get through med school. I couldn't do math homework. Yeah. So like, but so why on earth would somebody say there should be more of me, <laughs> you know, because I'm not good at that. It's, right. it's like, I wouldn't be good at that. Yeah. So to some extent they, they're ignoring not natural sorting on, and, and then beyond that, if there is a problem that's repressing certain groups and, and what's keeping people poor on the West side of Columbus or the East side of Columbus, yeah. start looking at that instead of just saying, we're going to, and what they're not doing, Norm, is is focusing on, all right, so we have two equally qualified candidates. Um, they're not showing that one side or one group is being hired and the other is not. They're saying we have an underrepresentation of qualified candidates, so we're going to go and change that. But yeah. we're not going to change it by creating more qualified candidates. We're just going to hire underrepresent or underqualified candidates. Yeah. You know, it's like it, it, it's it's nonsense. It's lunacy. Nobody wants their doctor uh, to be a certain color of skin. At least I, anybody rational wouldn't want that. No. I want my surgeon no. to be damn good at what he's doing. I, my black friends don't want an incompetent doctor of any color. Of course not. I and mean, same with lawyers or, or an airline pilot right. or, or whatever. They just want the, you know, if you're on a seven thirty seven on your way to Vegas, you want the best damn pilot in the world. Right. Up, up the neck. Whoever's and you don't care my what color he or she my is. My mechanic, my doctor, my I don't lawyer, care who they go to bed with. I could care, <laughs> care less. less. It doesn't you know? make any difference That's to me, right. but don't change the standards. No. Like now I care. Like if you change the standards of right. the service I'm getting from my electrician, from my plumber, from my accountant, from right. my doctor, from my lawyer. Right. And just to include people that wouldn't otherwise qualify. Well, now I care. Yeah. If my if my fireman coming into my house can't pick up my unconscious body and drag me out of the house to save my life, I don't want that standard lowered. You know, so that, you know, that person can so only... it's a DEI checkbox. Yeah. So, you know, well, instead of being able to drag, uh, you know, 200 pounds out of the house, you only have to drag 100 pounds. And then that way we get to hire... Now, you I know, think both you and I would agree that if, crazy. if they are making decisions of equally 
uh, qualified individuals based only on race. Well, then shame on them. Oh, of course. Prosecute that Ob- shit. Ob- obviously. And I, yeah. think, I think we are post-racial in that sense. I'd like I, to think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we have institutional or... Uh, well, we're post-racial, so they had to invent like this this sort of mystical racism that just oppresses this people. This white supremacy, which and, I, I literally don't know. So read Thomas Sowell. Read some, read some economists, read some other thinkers on this that don't necessarily fall into the mainstream. And there's some answers to these questions about why uh, poor people stay poor. You know, it's like there, there's, or, or even J.D. Vance, you're, you're uh, sure. you know, the, the guy we talked to here. Sure. It's like there, there's explanations that sort of maybe, maybe you can attribute some of it to racism, but not all of it. Maybe, oh, no. and, and maybe you can attribute some of it to like upbringing and culture, but not all of it. Maybe, That's you, right. you know, there's, there's multiple things on this. That's right. Ap- Appalachian whites are, are, are in great distress. Most of it, in my humble opinion, results and has resulted from horrible government policy. A lot of it. Yeah, absolutely. It just is. It's so insane. All right. So we got to wrap it up. We are uh, well into it. One last thing, Steve. This is crazy. Even for a a Second Amendment advocate like myself, (laughs) the Ohio, some legislature latours in Ohio have introduced a tax exemption bill for guns and ammunition, which just, you know. So if you buy guns and ammo, you don't get would, taxed? That, that's the legislation that they're proposing. Yeah, that's it. Which is. Just, I mean, look, get rid of income or get rid of sales tax if that's what you want to do. But don't. Get rid of the income tax. So God bless the Senate, the the Ohio Senate in the budget, uh, in their version of the budget, which has to be resolved with the House version. They've done two big things. These are epic, Steve, and maybe we'll talk about this next time. One, they're going to allow vouchers to be used by all income levels uh, for all students in Ohio. That, that's in the Senate version. And two, they have reduced the income tax as a percent, and they've reduced the number of levels yep. of, uh, from four to two. So they've flattened the income tax, and they've reduced the burden on Ohioans, which, come on, man, they need to eliminate the income tax, but this is a big step forward. All right. Well, with that, we're going to wrap it up. It has been Common Sense Ohio here on June 9, 2022. I guess we didn't talk about D-Day on June 6, but, you know, D- only the most significant battle probably in the history of modern history. 79 years ago. Yeah. Anyway, so well, maybe that's something we can talk about some other time. But uh, this is Common Sense Ohio, June 9, 2023, coming at you right from the middle here in Ohio, at least until 